Welcome to Me Time, the podcast for women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me. I'm Kim Aceto, health and self-care coach for women in midlife and your host. Thank you for spending your precious me time with me right now. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today I'm here with Megan Latham. Megan is a team administrator at UBS Financial Services in the Wealth Management Division. Together with her team, Beckman Cotter Spitzer Wealth Partners, they focus on all aspects of financial planning for clients and families, including spending needs, quality of life issues, retirement planning, generational wealth transfer, and philanthropic desires. Megan acts as a team's business manager, focusing on the development and enhancement of their practice, and is currently leading the team's efforts to address the unique needs of women in wealth planning conversations. She holds FINRA securities licenses, 763 and 66, which I don't know what those mean, but sounds good, and has earned the designation of financial paraplanner qualified professional. Same with that, uh, from the College for Financial Planning. Megan particularly, particularly enjoys the work UBS is doing to reach female investors and encourage their active participation in financial decision-making with the Own Your Worth movement. She hosts a women's roundtable group of female business owners and financial industry, industry professionals, where she facilitates conversations around aligning confidence in financial planning decisions with inherent competence. Megan Latham, thank you for coming on to the Me Time Midlife Podcast. Kim, thank you so much for having me. You can see we like a lot of words in our industry, right? Yeah, well, it, it sounds credible, and I think that's important in your industry, right? <laughs> I suppose that's the point, right? <laughs> yeah. So we got connected because one of my clients went to one of your workshops and was really inspired and thought that uh, we serve a similar audience, uh, women particularly. And um, as I read in your bio, you work with a lot of women in the midlife uh, age group with retirement planning, generational wealth, you know, things like that. Um, and so we got together and we talked and I wanted to invite you on the podcast to talk, not necessarily about midlife women per se, but actually talk about their kids because you do work with um, with that demographic too. Um, and so we're going to be talking about that. But um, before we get into it, let me ask you the first question I ask every guest, which is what do you enjoy doing during your me time? Well, let's start by saying I very much enjoy me time. It's my favorite time. Um, and I find that as I'm moving through my career, I'm getting better at embracing it. Um, I would say early on in my career and adulthood, I may have felt very guilty about um, carving out that time for myself. You may find this, Kim, but I talk to women every day who experience the same um, feeling of, you know, mom guilt, professional guilt, I should be doing laundry guilt. Um, so carving out time for yourself when there's clearly a lot to be doing um, can be difficult, but I find it really important to my sense of balance, so I've come to embrace it. Um, Side note to the importance, though, I was really lucky to hear a speaker um, who's a retirement strategist and doing some of the research that um, is really tracking the trends that impact retirement planning. 
And um, she talked about lifespan. So we know it's a long established fact that women outlive men in general. Um, and the lifespan is shrinking, like the gap between men and women's lifespan is shrinking for the first time. And I think it was even in the last year or two that they've tracked. And that was really interesting to me in the work that I do because, you know, she attributed that possibly to women being in the workforce and experiencing stress and the toll that it takes on them. So I can easily mute any guilt I feel about me time by saying like, no, it's really actually is important. Um, but, you know, a couple things I do for myself, I make gym, getting to the gym regularly a priority. Um, I haven't always loved exercising, but I know that it's really critical to my well-being. Um, and particularly as I age, strength training is becoming increasingly important. So I've kind of carved out the lunch hour. I try to schedule my day around it. Um, I get to the gym. I even drag weights outside if the weather is nice, which I'm based in Cleveland, Ohio. It's not always the case. But if I if I get a chance, I'll even, you know, get outside. But getting that regular exercise really, you know, adds to my energy, but also I feel makes me more productive. Mm -hmm. um, and then another thing that this actually came out of the women's group that I host, it was like a suggestion. And I thought, wow, oh, that's great. But um, the idea is giving myself permission to do nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so that can be difficult. Again, we're busy individuals, but allowing myself time to decompress when I realize that I need it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can read, watch something frivolous, but basically sit still and just really be okay with sitting still and not accomplishing anything in that brief moment. I find that so restorative to my entire sense of balance. Mm. Wow. There's so much in there that we could stop the podcast <laughs> right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. All the things that you're talking about. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we could have a whole episode just on the topic of self-care and not just for your own longevity and your own quality of life and happiness, but for your work performance, you know? So sometimes if we think things are selfish, you know, like taking time to take care of yourself is selfish or you don't have time for that. Don't think about yourself. Think about your clients. You owe it to your clients. If you really love and care for your clients, then you take care of yourself because you know that the better you are, the better you can take care of your clients. So I love that you're doing that, Megan, and that you're taking care of that stuff now, building those habits before you get to, you know, those midlife years where um, a lot of clients come to me and, um, and want to work on their health. So awesome. I love that. Keep doing that. <laughs> okay. So maybe um, tell us a little bit more about what you do at UBS and how you help your clients. Sure. Um, I work on a team of seven. We're in the wealth management division at UBS. Um, that means we work with individuals and then also the way we're structured, we work with multi-generational families. Um, we really, one true goal when we meet with a client, and that's that we want to provide meaningful financial advice that enhances their quality of life. Mm. Every conversation, quality of life is going to be at the center of what we do. And we basically start with just a question, what's important to you? And really everything else that we do, the financial health that we help a client build is around those goals, those things that are most meaningful to them on a very personalized and individual level. 
Um, our team has been together in some form for about 25 years. And then we very mindfully added next generations, um, which is going to speak to the millennials and the work we're doing with millennials. We've been deliberate along the way to add somebody at each generation um, in order to connect with their peers. So we have on our team four financial advisors. We have two dedicated client service professionals. Um, and then my role is really enhancing our practice to offer more to our clients. So I'm looking at all the needs that our clients have, the needs that they talk about, and seeing how can I connect them to the resources and the education that UBS really offers us as tools to, you know, offer to our clients. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say, like, the thing I'm most passionate about right now is the work our team is doing to meet the unique needs of women in financial planning. Um, the whole team has adopted that as an area of need. And um, it really, it, it's becoming easier every day to work with women. Um, UBS has published some research earlier this year, and it was under the message to women, own your worth. Mm. So you know, they basically studied women specifically at middle age and found a pattern of maybe being very highly involved in day-to-day -day household finances and decisions, but abdicating longer-term financial decisions to a partner. Mm -hmm. um, and that may be things like investment, retirement planning, insurance, long-term care. And what they found out was that you know, women become decision makers at some point in life for the first time. Sometimes maybe it's been a choice. They've been working. They've been raising a family. Maybe it's a later in life divorce um, or early widowhood. And if you find yourself in that position after not having been involved in all the financial decisions, it can be very high stress and women express regret and maybe fear about their future. Um, so, you know, our team is kind of focused on getting women involved earlier in the process, encouraging everybody to participate in decision-making and really understand everything that's being done for their planning so that they don't ultimately find themselves in that position where they're trying to figure it out after a time of stress. Mm -hmm. Yes, right. So preparation is really important. I love that you guys ask first that core question, what's important to you? I think um, a lot of my clients, um, they've haven't asked themselves that question ever, or no one's ever asked them that question, right? It's always been about what's important to everybody else in my life and how do I meet those needs? So I love that you ask what's important to you. And I love that there's a multi-generational approach uh, to the work that you do. So speaking of multi-generations, um, millennials are uh, a big generation. And, um, you know, we might have some women in midlife right now listening who have uh, millennial kids and they want to talk to them about their finances. So um, first of all, what do you see as far as millennials' attitudes towards their finances? What's been your experience? Sure. Well, I'll maybe start by saying that I really enjoy working with millennials. Um, I think their generation maybe has gotten a bad rap on a, a number of different things, but um, I have found personally there's a lot to learn from them. But as far as their attitudes towards finances, so for some of the challenges that they've had. Um, they have really high student loan debt. They um, generally have higher interest rates on those debt than maybe Generation X did. 
Um, home ownership has been very expensive for them. And so relative to their early income and their early cash flow, that can be a struggle to meet those debts. And, um, you know, the other thing that we find often is they're a little bit skeptical of the market, the stock market. Um, and that makes sense because they were coming of age in 2001 and entering the workforce in between 2001, 2008, 2009. Those were both really negative periods for the stock market. So if you were at a critical time in life and finances were very important during those um, times, it could leave a little bit of a scar. But like we find in our practice that they really know they need to invest. They know they need to um, have growth, but they ask kind of where. And so we found like financial planning can help with those obstacles that they have with cash flow and then to what, what they can feel comfortable with um, investing. They love technology. We know that. But the cool thing is they still want really personal advice and they want it from somebody they trust. Um, it's important for parents to remember specifically, though, that you know they, they tend to be really skeptical of the professionals that their parents work with. So they're not really going to work with a professional just because their parents did. Um, so it's been really important for our team, as I mentioned, to be multi-generational because the idea is um, we need to connect millennials with their peers whom they can relate to. That's very important to them. Um, you know, but a lot of these challenges, despite that, um, they're not as discouraged as you may think. And we see a lot of opportunity with them in their financial world because, um, you know, we feel like we can help them achieve really classic goals still, things like home ownership. And it's important to them to live debt free, um, saving for education, retirement planning. Um, those things are still important to them. Um, and a couple things I like about this generation as far as finances, one thing I can admit that I've learned from them, they're super efficient. So they have good time management skills, and even as, even as far as finances, they keep things super organized so that they can execute quickly. Um, they think globally. That's an awesome trait of that generation. Um, and they ask about things like sustainable investing. I think that's a great conversation that we have with millennials kind of on a regular basis, but basically they're looking for investments and places to put place their finances that reflect their values, maybe promote social change. Um, and the other thing I, I can admit that I have adopted from this generation, even my, my um, partner on my team, Brady, like shared this early on and I thought, oh, I need this in my life, but they are very credit card savvy. Um, so they're not really interested in debt, but they use credit cards for rewards better than anybody I've ever met. So their spending is all very strategic. They're charging things strategically to reap benefits of that. And I think it's, it's really smart and we can all learn something from that. Um, but, you know, kind of the most interesting statistic that came out of the UBS research on women was that millennial women are abdicating financial decisions to a partner more even than previous generations. And that was really surprising to me. I mean, we're at a time when we have more women in the workforce than ever. Um, we have more women who are primary breadwinners or co-breadwinners, um, but they're still leaving major decisions to a partner. 
Now, the great thing um, about this, though, that they reported in the surveying, surveying that they really feel like they should be more involved than they are. And so that's a great opportunity um, with our daughters that, okay, you, you know you want to be more involved and maybe we can connect them in a way into resources that helps them do what they kind of already think they should be doing. Mm. Wow. You guys have a lot of research on millennials' uh, <laughs> money, money habits and stuff. That's great though. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we can take um, as far as that kind of stuff. That's great. So when it comes to financial health, what would you say like are the most important things that moms can talk to their daughters about? I mean, I think the most important thing I would say is teach them to participate participate early, participate often hmm. um, in all things related to money. So, um, you know, talk about money. You don't have to share maybe personal details of your finances, but conversations about making financial decisions, costs of things, you know, saving for big expenses, certainly earning money. Um, these are all conversations that we can have with our daughters, nieces, um, you know, the, the younger women around us that we can, you know, just create an exposure to these things. So maybe it would be less intimidating. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would say to talk about financial independence. Mm -hmm. We all are largely going to be responsible for funding our own retirement um, to some degree, but even more so for our daughters. We have to talk about the idea that you always want to be financially independent, regardless of what situation you find yourself in personally, even if you don't feel like you need to be, it's still important that you could be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think early on, we've learned that women struggle with confidence, and we have far more competence in financial topics than maybe we are self-confident about. So I would say that you know, we want to start early with our daughters for creating situations and scenarios that can build that confidence. You know, like you can start early with something like um, spending and saving. So maybe a child has some amount of discretionary money that they are encouraged to save a little bit of, but then the part they get to spend, they can spend on whatever. So even if you think, oh, at the time, that's very frivolous. Um, but if they get to spend it and they feel good about that, you're teaching them to make a choice and to be confident about that choice. So whatever you spent money on, whatever choice you made, you feel good about that choice. And now the money's gone. So you've also learned that, okay, it doesn't exist for another choice. Mm. Um, but all those little moments, I feel like can create, create confidence along the way. Mm. You know, and I guess the last thing I would say on that maybe is that um, you think of the old airplane analogy that you put your own oxygen mask on first. And what we can really do for our daughters and young people is model financial health, financial well-being. I mean, we've really come to learn that general health and stress and financial health and stress are kind of interrelated. Um, so if we can model financial well-being for our daughters and let that be something that's very observable by, you know, participating in decisions, participating in planning. Uh, and we know that women experience less stress and less anxiety about money 
Um, they report high confidence in their financial future when they participate in the planning and all the conversations around money. Um, we also make fewer financial mistakes. Um, and very often we find when we meet with a client, a female client, you know, they're, they're going to be fine. They have enough money to sustain their lifestyle that they're going to be absolutely fine. But they may not have heard that message before if they haven't been present in meetings and in the decision making. So, you know, what we model will shape or can shape how our daughters perceive these topics. So that's the best place to start. Right. Oh my gosh. Every time I um, talk about finances on uh, the podcast, I, I, I'm always reminded of how similar financial health and physical, mental, or emotional health is, right? Um, and so, so interrelated. It's totally interrelated. Um, so I, I love those, um, those strategies there. Um, we're going to, I want to ask you some more about that in a minute, but, you know, just having that open discussion about it, right. Where it's not like, like sex, right. Where you like, sometimes uh, families don't want to like talk about that. And then it becomes like, Oh yeah. Money can be just as taboo. Yeah. But then, but then you can um, kind of grow up with a dysfunctional view of it, right. If it's not, if it's not open and you guys don't talk about it. I also love how you uh, stress the importance of, uh, independence, financial independence, right? Because um, if we want to move into a world with more gender equality, then um, then women need to be able to have choices. And that's what happens, right? If you are financially independent, independent even within a relationship, even if you're married or whatever, um, then you have choices. And you don't have to stay if you don't want to or, or can't or, or whatever, need to leave. So um, that's great. And then, you know, funding the retirement and all that kind of stuff, you know, thinking long-term, I think is a, I mean, with health and with finances, you gotta, you gotta be a long-term big picture thinker. You can't just be thinking about what do I want now? Because we're going to want the cake <laughs> now and we're going to want, you know, to go buy that thing now. Right. But we have to be thinking about the future. And then lastly, of course, just like health to be a model of, of a, of healthy relationship with, you know, in my case, with my clients, maybe with food, right? Modeling the healthy relationship with food or self-care or me time, like you talked about earlier. And just, and in your case, you know, a good financial model. I think that's wonderful. Wow. That's great. I love that. Okay. So Megan, what are some strategies then um, that women can use to get the conversation started with, uh, I love how you also, you talked about, you know, it could be your daughter, it could also be your niece. It could also be um, a coworker, right? Any younger woman, because a lot of uh, midlife women are working with younger women and a lot of these women look to them as mentors. So what are some strategies to get the conversation started when it comes to these things? Sure. Well, um, one advantage I would say with this generation and starting conversations with them is that they're relatively comfortable talking about money. Um, this is one thing I feel like we can thank social media for maybe. Mm. Um, and they may not lead with personal information about their finances, but they're not incredibly uncomfortable about sharing. And um, they know it's important to be involved. So I feel like they're relatively open to that conversation. Um, but I would say um, one of the strategies, it's a strategy we use in our practice every day is ask them what's important to them. Mm. Um you know, it may, they, it may be long-term goals, um, things they're saving for, 
It may be social causes, um, but any of these things that are important to them require funding. And I'll say they already understand that. So that's an easy conversation starter and you can quickly tie it back to the decisions they make with money. Mm. Um, And then I would say, you know, maybe lead with a comfortable topic. If you ask any millennial their favorite credit card for points, that's a great conversation starter. They're very (laughs) good at that. Um, You can also learn a lot. So there's a selfish uh, advantage there. Um, and then I would say another great tactic would be like anecdotal stories. Mm. So, you know, share your own experience. In particular, if you're a woman, share um, share your experience with money and things you've learned along the way. Maybe even admit to the mistakes that you've made previously. That's okay. I mean, they really like transparency mm. and they want to do things differently. Um, so there's just no harm in admitting that maybe you should have been involved sooner or you're choosing to be involved. Um, So share your own experience. Um, And then I will say this came up recently with a friend of mine, but um, talk to, to your children, to your daughters in terms of choices and not judgments. Hmm. So what I mean by this is I had a friend recently whose child was going to be working for the first time in like their real adult career and they wanted to buy a car. And she was very worried about this purchase and thinking like, oh, they're going to overspend or they're going to buy something that's out of their price range. And I just suggested, you know, maybe be just careful how you present that, that everything is a choice. So however you spend money, just leaves that money unavailable for something else. So if this is the, the choice, that's okay. And help them understand the implications of that choice. And if they still... Uh, move forward with that choice. It's okay. It's a learning moment as well, but at least they're taking ownership of a decision. People always feel better about decisions that they've had ownership in. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll say like awareness is half the battle. So it's it's particularly important with our daughters. And I, I don't have, I have sons, but I share nieces because my nieces are really important. And I feel like I feel you know, a sense of responsibility in the way I model for them. Um, But I will say this isn't just a conversation for young women. We really want to uh, model appropriately for like next gen of both, both genders. I mean, I've been really lucky to have strong female peers to learn from, Um, but I've been equally lucky that my male colleagues have contributed to my overall confidence on these same topics. So, um, you know, I recognize that even my sons will be colleagues and friends someday. Um, and I would hope that they would be encouraging and only help others build confidence. Um, and then the, the last thing I'll say on this is that, um, you know, leverage other professionals. Millennials like to connect with their peers. So if the conversation isn't maybe getting exactly where you want it to, Maybe there's a professional that you work with that has a a peer that you could introduce and they're they're very social. They like those introductions. So if you have a chance to introduce another professional who may uh, deliver that message as well, but they may perceive to be a peer, then I would say that's a a worthwhile introduction. Hmm. I should have told listeners to get a pen and paper ready before we started. (laughs) 
<laughs> go back and listen again. I mean, do do so. Um, I, I'm going to do that anyway, because I'm, I want to write this stuff down. Um, wow, that was great. Thank you so much, Megan. I mean, you gave such great information. And also, you know, it's just obvious your passion for what you do. Um, and it's great to have women in financial planning services. I think it, it is technically, I mean, I don't know if it still is more of a male dominated field, would you say? It very much still is. Yeah. And I, I feel like the now is the, the opportunity to maybe in, be more inclusive of, of women in all different levels of, you know, fi the finance, finance industry. Right. And I love that you host a women's roundtable where you, you have, you, you facilitate these discussions. It's wonderful. So thank you for the work that you do, Megan. Um, now you are based in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, you, I'm going to post your, um, your team website on the show notes. Uh, anyone who's interested in learning more and Megan, you work with clients um, nationally, internationally, where, what, what's the scope of your practice? We do. Um, yeah, we have a national client base. Um, we can work virtually. We also travel quite a bit for our practice. So yeah, where we're based is only part of who we are. We're very much uh, a national level practice on our team. Great. And then I'm also going to put your LinkedIn there and can people um, connect with you there and maybe ask you questions if they have any? Would that be okay? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Any, you know, I'm happy to provide any resource that I can. Mm -hmm. And also um, the Own Your Worth movement. I love that. Uh, I think you also sent me some content. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that that I can post? Yeah, so that um, the piece I sent you is a publication piece that UBS did based on the research. There's actually a more detailed research report that you can also um, review that talks in details about the study, but the, you know, the gist of it is in the brochure that I sent. And um, really it's just, it's a time for women to take ownership of some of these topics. And, you know, frankly, sometimes it doesn't have to be later in life. Like we've, you know, we've worked, we've earned income, we've participated, but maybe not in certain conversations. So it's not to say that, you know, women are coming to being involved in their finances for the first time. It's just that we've learned there's a need to be more involved in different kinds of conversations. Right. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, Megan, so much for your time. You are at work, so I appreciate you taking a little <laughs> bit of time to interview with me. Um, so thanks again. Kim, thank you so much for having me. I also appreciate the work that you're doing, and I really see the value in wellness at every stage. Thank you. I appreciate that. If you find the Me Time Midlife podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. The best way is to simply tell your midlife friends about it. It also helps the show's visibility if you rate and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or simply directly in your Apple Podcasts app if you listen to the show that way. And if you want more Me Time in your life and continue the conversations we have on the show with other women on a similar journey, consider joining our Me Time Midlife Community on Facebook. Simply search for Me Time Midlife Community in your Facebook search bar or go to metimemidlifepodcast.com to learn more. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, remember, you've been taking care of everyone else. 
it's your turn to take care of you.